Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. Are you recording? No. <laughs> do it again. How would thing, you do it? That thing, just, that thing just popped up and said this meeting's being recorded. <laughs> exactly. How would you do the Thrive intro, Maria? Well, if I was trying to do it like the guy you have, yeah. or whatever that is, is that computerized? Yes. I, I Well, I think he just put, he's adding effects to his voice. But Right. How would you do it? So can I do it without added effects? Well, yeah, you, yeah, do it. you said you could do a better <laughs> Thrive intro, and I now all I the listeners out there are going to listen to Maria <laughs> with Jesky. Right. No, we can cut this out, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, I'll cut we, it out. Okay, good. Now I'm laughing. I can't do it. Okay, hold on. Thrive okay. with Trevor Huffman. <laughs> Try it. Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman. <laughs> <laughs> a, a deep dive into the mindsets and... I already forgot what I wrote. I, yeah, you know, when you write it down it? on paper, it's, how, it's like, yeah, I want to talk about mindsets with athletes and coaches and trainers and yeah, you know, NBA, WNBA trainers. I literally have a 5,000 word count intro. It's cool. Hey, nobody told me. I think it's pretty good. I thought it was cool for, you know, for $5 on Fiverr.com, yeah. who I'm not sponsored by. Just Fiverr.com. <laughs> You can just go to the, you can go to fiverr.com and get anything you want by the way like they'll just you can get a cartoon made for about your life you can get an intro on a radio drop or you know all sorts of cool stuff over there by the way check it out <laughs> sounds like I'm their sponsor yeah that are you <laughs> is that a plug for them that was good <laughs> yeah so anyway we'll get the we're gonna get the thrive podcast started uh, a great friend of mine maria b i'm not gonna even say your last name i already said it once i only say your last name very not i try not to say it at all because it's one of the hardest names to say in the world and i'm terrible with I mean, names. everybody every player that played in poland though <laughs> <Lizeski. laughs> that was probably one of the best once in four yeah, years because i have to <laughs> i have to go into my brain and be pulled like i have to go when i was in poland that's how i where i just went i went there i was back in poland back. <sighs> and i just started sweating that's intense yeah poland was <laughs> i remember you telling me about that it was hard we don't have to it go was, there <laughs> i gained 25 pounds is the lowest point of my career but anyway uh this is this show is not about me, Maria. It's about you, okay? And for everybody out there, Maria and I go way back. We've known each other for like five, what seven years, six years. Uh, whoa, I don't know about that. Let's see, I'm forty-one. Way back. I stopped. I think playing at thirty-four. So it's it's probably five years because you've been done. A, you've been done a couple of years already, right? Uh huh. 
So I'd kind of been on my uh, uphill battle into into yeah. life after pro hoops. And so I met Maria at a basketball camp with Paul Kepke at Northern Pride Academy, Sports Academy. Shout out. Shout out. Roll Pride. Roll Pride. And um, Paul said, hey, yeah, we got this this uh, this woman, Maria. She's showing up to coach. Um, you want to you want to be in, in this pod? And Paul does a great job of kind of introducing new coaches and trainers to the kids and to the to the to the young girls and women at uh, Northern Michigan. So I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet Maria. And Maria, what was your um, like when we first met? You thought I was a weirdo. You thought literally I was just <laughs> the weirdest person you'd ever met, which by mm-hmm. the way, everybody, sometimes I, you know, I am, I, I'm not afraid to ask questions, am I? No, you're definitely not. That is, yeah. Well, I didn't think you were a weirdo. Let's backtrack. Okay. Let's just, let's what happened for, let's was. Let's let you explain it. Okay. Two sides to every story here. So <laughs> I had done some things with Northern Pride and there was a few like dads of these, at that time they were like middle school girls. That makes us really sound old. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were the ones who kind of started Northern Pride and were really gung ho, you know, putting on all these events. So one of them had told me like, oh yeah, we have this guy coming, Trevor Huffman, like he's going to run another, another one of like the stations. And then we had, I think Ricky was maybe doing the other station who was again, a dad of one of these middle school girls. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he was like, here's his number. You can call him and kind of figure out what you guys are going to do as far as skill work at your station. So I just assumed you were one of the middle school girls' dads, too. That was wet. Because, you know, obviously, you're a Northern Michigan legend, but I somehow missed that. You didn't even I, know I who had you, not, you had never I heard had, of me, but you thought I was a middle school had, dad. That's offensive. <laughs> I I had a good I had never heard of Trevor Huffman. I know it's shocking to everybody in the state of Michigan. No, not in the state of Michigan. Just I think just northern Michigan. It was <laughs> there, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of pro players coming out of northern Michigan. And you know, it was it was a big dream of mine. And then it turns out that dream meant nothing to you. I was just a middle aged father. Just, which is also a dream of mine too. But you know, I hadn't. Had yeah, kids I don't yet. think you should say just. No, but. exactly. I I want to be a dad one day. I'd love that. But you know what? I was a pro basketball player still, and I hadn't had any kids. So, you know, no, it was pretty funny. I I love that story. <laughs> I know. I, well, then I called you. I called you, and then you were just like, you know, we're talking, and I'm like, this does not sound like one of the dads here like <laughs> why do and then you say like, but why do you say that you were like you started like swearing up a storm at one point and i was like what who is this guy and then i think i even said to you this was when i got was embarrassed when i googled you later on because i said oh so like have you so did you play <laughs> did you play did you play professionally <laughs> Oh. And you're like, oh yeah, for like 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got cut by two NBA teams. Thanks. Um, <laughs> just my biggest dream ever. You know, that's cool. Uh, no, that that was a good thing. And, and I saw Maria run run the camp, and I was like, first of all, she's better coach than I am. Um, I was like, wow, this is this is awesome. And uh, so yeah, we became we became friends, and we started doing camps every year, and uh, kind of you know, I think. You know, even 
worked out a few times. We worked on different stuff in your game, and then and then you went to Portugal and Germany. And yeah, why don't you tell people a little bit about where you're from and kind of your story um, of life? Ooh, okay. Deep. Um, yeah, this is deep. I'll try to keep it short. So I grew up in Benzie County, smallest county in Michigan. So from a really small town and um, I ended up going to Lake Superior State. So I kind of went the smaller college route, played in the GLIAC Division II basketball. And then going into my senior year of college, I kind of already knew I wanted to keep playing. I always loved playing and I had heard a little bit about overseas basketball, but really didn't know much about it at all. So I started contacting like a couple of players who I knew had played over there and I just reached out to to an agent that had been recommended to me and so um after my senior season I signed with the agent and as overseas basketball goes, uh waited and waited for a contract and then the first one didn't really work out. So it was definitely a waiting game and I eventually finally did sign and I started Halfway through the season, um, that would have been in, let's see, 2014, beginning of 2014, I signed um, with a team in the Czech Republic. And then I've been pretty much playing ever since. So Czech Republic and Germany, Puerto Rico, Portugal, France, a little bit in Luxembourg. I was supposed to be in Australia right now. That was cut short. Hashtag um, COVID. Then, <laughs> hashtag COVID pandemic. Oh. Ruined that comeback. Um, but yeah, I'm going, supposed to be going to Portugal next month. That's awesome. I mean, I didn't, I forgot a lot of those countries that you played in, like Czech and uh, we talked about them before, but it's a lot of countries. I mean, do you feel when you come back to America, it's always a little bit weird, you know, a tough transition back? Do you ever get reverse culture shock? And for anybody that doesn't know what that term is, um, think about all the things you know taken away from you, you know, Mountain Dew. For me as a rookie, it was like Mountain Dew, uh, Butterfinger, <laughs> uh, going yeah. to the movies, endless amounts of pop at, you know, any any restaurant you ever go to, um, regular toilet paper, toilets that flushed the right way yeah. that didn't have th- 13 <laughs> buttons. Like, you, have, you know, the buttons on the yeah. toilet. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, what is going one? on in, in Europe with their <laughs> toilets? I, I don't understand. Why is there just a, a tray uh... underneath me? And then, you know, like, and then you come home, the pace of life is different. Um, mm-hmm. The food is different. Everything is so different that, you know, the, the, the way people um, interact with foreigners and being, being different, you know, like when, when you are the different person in another culture, and people constantly look at you and talk to you and say, well, what, why are you here? What are you doing? What, you know, why are you so tall? Or, um, would you, mm-hmm. like tell people about your experience, yeah. that culture shock, both going and coming back. Right. Yeah. So it is a major culture shock. And that's the thing I don't think I really was, um, prepared or anticipating, you know, I don't know how it was for you, but I just wanted to hoop. I just want to keep playing. So it was like, send me wherever, like I'm, just pumped to play. And I wanted to travel too, but I think really in my mind, I was just focused on the basketball part of it. And I figured, oh, I'll be fine. Like <laughs> the rest will take care of itself. Um, but then really, like when you're in the gym and you're practicing, that kind of became more my safe space. <laughs> it was outside of that where everything was really 
really difficult. Um, and of course, practice and things still had still their difficulties and, you know, change of style and, and all that stuff. But um, it was like that day to day life things that I didn't anticipate. Um, so, yeah, like like for the Czech Republic, you know, it's funny um, hearing you mention some of those specifics. I remember like the like even just opening the door to my apartment like i think in the u.s you always turn your key like to the right and there it was always to the left and there were actual like you know like doorknobs like you just put the key in and it just opened so like if i ever would have lost my key i would never have been able to get into my apartment <laughs> you know or like or i went to the grocery store and i didn't know you had to bring your own bag you know like in the states they bag it for you and and I'm also like preparing for a whole week's worth of meals. I have all this stuff. I have no bag. I am just a mess. As where, <laughs> checking, what, where, where did you shop? Like, what was your what was the market? Um, you know, that one I can't remember what the name of it was. But then that was a horrifying experience. I was so scared wait, wait, to go in back. Check, in, che- in check it was. <laughs> yeah, because they were like swiping all my groceries through and then I didn't have a bag so then I'm like scrambling you know like trying to just like pick up as much as I could possibly carry and like those flimsy little plastic ones that they let you use for like nothing you know I'm like piling it all in there there's this huge line of people behind me like probably thinking swearing at you and what is she doing (laughs) yeah so after that I ended up going to I did find like a Weedle and that was my like godsend because oh. I oh, could go Lidl? there. Oh, you mean Lidl? I call it Lidl. You call it Lidl? Yeah, they pronounce it Lidl, so that I still call it that. But um, I well, didn't you're, know you're though wrong. about the whole. No, I'm just <laughs> like nobody knows how to say Lidl or like that. No, yeah, how does you see it in the states and you're like, that? why is that here? Why is I used to shop in the most I remote places one in, in Europe. The oh, I have. Have you seen one in the states? Oh yeah. Oh. Okay, no, no, I'm thinking of Aldi. Never mind. That's Aldi. Oh, yeah. Aldi. Okay, we'll come back to Aldi later. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Oh, gosh. I'm trying. There's so many things. I think the pace of life, um, like you mentioned, was so different. Um, like, I would always get a coffee before a game. And it was so funny because when I go to places and ask for it to go, which is actually takeaway, corrected a number mm-hmm. of times on that. Um, they kind of look shocked. Like, why would you, why would you take this coffee to go? Like, you need to sit and drink it and have a piece of oh, cake and have that. a conversation, you yeah. know? Like, why so, aren't you connecting like, with your friends and family at a cafe? <laughs> yeah. That's why you came. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any. Amer- <laughs> yeah. Um, Americans are like, go, go, go. <laughs> like, they like try to get you right. They can. They want you to just get that turnover. Yeah. Starbucks. That, that cash right it's so different oh, um so yeah so it's funny just because i ended up spending a lot of my time like in between practices just trying a different restaurant which was different you know going to eat by yourself that was a change <laughs> um, yeah. um or i'd go sit at a cafe just for like hours and just read and whatever like um so then when i we came back to the U.S., like, I still do that. I still find myself, like, I'll go to the local, like, bagel shop, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting in there for hours. <laughs> I think they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, sorry, guys, just getting my European life fix. <laughs> um, oh, just kidding. Enjoying yeah. my everything bagel from Big Beast. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh no, I'm local. The local spots, I still Wait, go. Big B That's is another local. thing. Big B is not local. They're from Michigan. I met them. I met that guy. You're all there. about the change. I know. I just love that they have peanut butter in their mocha frappe. That's all. Um, That's why I go. That's a fair point. That's a good point. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, you know, and then every place you go is a little bit different. And uh, it's, oh, it was so eye-opening. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is, we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals, but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810 771 8622. Again, that's 810 771 8622. Let's just talk about the mindset of, of accepting change. I think a lot of, a lot of Ooh, the world, yeah. right? Oh, let's get into a deeper topic. The, uh, you know, like know. the change of going to a new culture and being the, per, being the minority, right? You, you essentially, mm-hmm. you're a woman, you're a minority, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're not. Czech, you're not uh, Portuguese. You're tall, six two, you know, uh, Ooh, blonde. Give me another inch there. I gave you an inch. <laughs> I gave you an inch on the show. Everyone, she's six one. I like to say she's six two. She looks tall. You look a lot taller. I think you're six two. Um, I mean, I'm gonna take it. And and so you stick out, and and like you're saying, but you're still, you feel lonely. You uh, are hoping mm-hmm. people. I don't know, like you, you want to connect with people, but yet yeah. there's only a few people that you can connect with or that you do end up connecting with, at least in my experience. Um, and those are the people that kind of go out of their way to befriend you or help you or support you, you know, because they realize their emp- the empathy there, the compassion of like, oh my God, this person is literally alone all day long and they have no friends they just play basketball and if your if your teammates are older you know like you you could have 35 year old teammates that have families and they just go to their families you know when you're a rookie and it's really hard and i think it yeah. also that uh this mindset and, and also like how you assimilated a culture and accepted the change also can be you you know helpful in sports i think to to have an open mind you know, from different ideologies, beliefs, skin colors, anything, because you're going to end up playing if you want to play high level basketball. And, and that's what you did. You know, you went from Lake State, which I'm pretty sure was, you know, the tip of the, you know, basically the North Pole, right? You were basically <laughs> had to get carried to the game in like a, a wolf. You had to like ride I a took wolf. a dog sled to, yeah, you uh, took a but, dog yeah. sled to your practices and stuff. <laughs> mush, mush, you know, so then <laughs> you're getting mushed. Much to the to the practice, but you know, then you go overseas and you got to change again. How did you? How did you like? Yeah. How, how this all? Yeah. Bring, all bring this all together for me, Maria. I'm tr- okay, I'm trying to. Yeah, there's a lot of important things you're touching on. So, definitely the connections um, were huge. So, 
it's, it's funny you bring that up because we haven't talked about this, I don't think. And it's so true, though, how, you know, if I walked by the same little store every day and after a while that shop owner would say, you know, would greet me or say hi, or I started going in there every day and we'd have some little exchange. And that would mean like the world to me that day. You know, it's just like, oh man, I just had a great little like somewhat conversation with this person, you know, and it just like brought a smile to your face. Because again, you are like, you're alone. You're not having a ton of conversation with people face to face. Um, and so anything like that, or like these little coffee shops I'd go to, I'd since I was hanging out in there for hours, <laughs> I wouldn't end up like kind of getting to know these people a little bit. Or they'd ask me more about where I'm from and I would ask them like, you know, where I should go to eat or yeah. So are those teammates that really like take you under their wing and they're like, Hey, let's go do, let's go do this today. Um, you're, you're coming with us, you know, like those things, you just appreciate that on a whole nother level than I, I was used to. And I think, you know, growing up in a small town and then going to a smaller university and, you know, like, you know, everyone, everyone knows you. Um, so then when you're dropped somewhere, you're just totally dropped in a place, you know, you don't have a host family or anything like that, like when you study abroad. So yeah, you, it's kind of like sink or swim. And I had to accept the fact like, okay, this is not the US, like things I'm used to. It's just, that's not the way it is here. And I think you kind of have that internal struggle for the first like month, you know, where it's, and I know I'd see it with my American teammates, you know, they'd be like, really, there's no ranch dressing here. We have no ranch, you know, and it's like, no, you don't. So you just got to get over it. <laughs> you have to embrace like what they do. And I think there's always that turning point of like, okay, I need to stop resisting the differences and I need to just kind of like accept them and then try and even have like a little bit of fun with it. Um, and you kind of have to keep forcing yourself to like step out of that comfort zone a little bit. Um, I know that's how I started feeling like someone would ask me, finally ask me to do something, you know, like on our team to go somewhere and you, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're going to do. So you're immediately a little nervous or maybe I should just stay in my apartment today. But then it's like, nope, nope, I got to do it. I got to just whatever. I got to step out. I got to do something a little bit different, put myself out there. Um, so it's kind of like all those like mini little challenges. I feel like each day, like going to the grocery store, going to a new restaurant by yourself, asking a teammate to do something, um, just trying to make conversation with a stranger. Like that's, kind of ends up being what it's about and how you get how you get through and then the place eventually becomes more like a second home how would you that's great i don't i like what you said you know not resisting change you know what i mean um being aware of of the fact that typically change sucks you know change is not fun change no is not fun to go through especially it's uncomfortable and, and there's a lot of inner turmoil because things are different and don't you know not resisting mm-hmm. if you can be aware of it you know i think self-awareness as an athlete is one of those things that you know a lot not a lot of coaches talk about i think you're a very self-aware athlete you know you're you're intentional your conscience uh your conscience your you know your 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 <laughs> i just had a brain fart i was i just started thinking about like um Ice, those purple ice pops that you get out of your uh, freezer. I don't know why. I was like, oh, I want a purple ice pop. Is it hot there? Like, yeah, where it's are like you? I'm up in, I'm upstairs, and it's just like super hot up here. And I, and I'm <laughs> and starting. To, I told you, it's getting, I'm getting warm. 
And, um, <clears throat> you know, but just being, you know, self-aware, conscious of, 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 of the feelings and emotions that are going to go into kind of a tough situation. You know, I think that goes, you know, we work with a lot of youth athletes. Uh, we just did a camp in Mason County Central. Big shout out to the, the Vander Hogs and uh, Mason County for, for, for housing me and letting me dunk on their mini rim downstairs in the morning before I got to camp. I, got, I did a few monster dunks, got my day started. Uh, they gave me a few coarse lights. Uh, I'm not a huge coarse light drinker. You know that. I don't like, I don't like to drink beer. Yeah, but, I, you know, I was. <laughs> I also was like, hey, I'm a guest. I'm going to drink. I'm going to, they offered me a beer. I'm going to have a beer with these guys. And, and we had great, great conversations. I don't know where I'm going, but the youth, the youth that we worked with in Mason County, you know, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that I want to try to connect life lessons with basketball and, 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 and kind of the experiences that you get going overseas. Because for the people that, you know, haven't left their, their community or the kids that haven't like gone out into the world, it's very, very important to learn the value of acceptance and, and not being resistant, you know, to, to new things and new ideas and, and new people and, 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 yep. and, and having compassion, you know, not only for them, but for yourself as you go through that change. Like it's very important not to compare yourself on social media and, and, and parents to like teach these values to kids. Cause I think that value, like what we, you know, what you learn to go through by getting into Europe and, and being self-reliant, you're self-reliant, right? You have, you have to, you sink mm-hmm. or swim. Like our, yep. parents, our parents really keep teaching kids that, uh, I, I don't know. Our coaches really teaching that in high school. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, like if, you know, and kids have me- social media now with like that, the podcast you sent me, like I, I never had to worry about 5,000 people making fun of me when I missed a game winning shot. You know, right. I never had to compare mm-hmm. myself. I was always just thinking about how can I get better today? Uh, what do I have to do to improve today? You know, that my system was all about like, how do I get better today? I'm not going to worry. Yeah, I'm going to compete my butt off. I'm not afraid to lose to anybody. You know, in fact, that, that drove me to be, you know, become better myself, you know, to figure out what I need to work on and push myself. But, you know, what, um, right. I, yeah, I think that's a really good point. It definitely gets, I think, more complicated these days because of social media and everyone, you're like, you're under that looking glass all the time. Um, and to your question, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if every parent is, you know, putting their child in situations like what we end up going through. You know, I think my parents did a little bit growing up, so I was somewhat ready for, I mean, not to the extent of Europe, but, um, you know, like if I went to a, they would encourage me to shout go out to, to Mark and Kathleen. <laughs> shout out to Mark and Kathleen. Um, you know, they they made me go to camps where I didn't know anybody, or like when I had to take my, they made me take my official visits and stay the night with the team, mm. and, and that was like terrifying as yeah. a senior in high school. You know, like, um, so. But I do think it's really important, and I do try to. That's something I've kind of tried to work on more with the with the players that I've been coaching and, and working with. And um, I know, I don't know, you know, we've been running these camps, but we're kind of with our own groups. But I keep trying to say, like, who cares if, like, who cares if you mess up? Like, nobody cares here. Like, try something new. Like, it's okay if you look ridiculous and screw up. Like, nobody cares here. Yeah. You know, because that's, like, the only way you're going to grow is by making mistakes and by trying something new. And... Um, so I really started to try and preach that and I notice 
especially with those age groups, like when you get into eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, that self-conscious factor definitely plays a huge role. Um, with boys and girls, I see it both. And I'm constantly trying to battle that and be like, hey, like, you know, have like laugh about something when someone like messes up and looks goofy, you know, like, yeah. or trying to reiterate, like, this is a safe space. Like, this is safe space here. You know, we're all just trying to get better. And, but yeah, again, I think parents play a huge role in that. And, uh, and also trying yeah. not to get too caught up with your Instagram followers yeah. or your yeah. whatever it is. But, yeah, I, you know, we didn't grow up with that. For a second? So. Maria, can I just stop yeah. you before I leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, in fact, I think parents sometimes are part of the problem with like, oh, my kid doesn't have as many, you know, like they want the attention and the success for their kid. You know, like they, right. it's like, it's like that coach that coaches freaking 10 year olds and they're like, yeah, I was 15 and oh. We played zone the entire yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And, that drives um, me crazy. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, you just you just ruined those kids. You know, those kids are now not yep. learning how to play against man to man, develop skills, play one on one. You know, read the game, pass the ball. You know, like right. So I mean, not that, yeah. You can play. I, I feel like the youth should be able to play zone for one quarter. Oh, you know, like they should only be able to. You, oh yeah, you can't play zone the entire game. And, no, and expect no. to develop the skills of passing and driving and, you know, uh, don't get me started. But I think that's kind of like the parent that's like, well, well, Jimmy over there is getting, you know, he's getting offers and, and recognition. He's getting followers on Instagram. And, and typically, I think the parents are planting the seed in these kids heads or they're allowing them to, like, perpetuate that that self-conscious behavior that comparison behavior and and i think it's a big problem and i don't necessarily know how to to, to solve it how to uh, solve it yeah take their phones i don't know either delete instagram right you know well it, and you know what's crazy i don't know if you've seen this i wasn't even aware of this until a few years ago i had a parent talking to me about this how like if like if a kid gets offered a scholarship and i've seen it for a variety of sports it's like posted on Facebook or it's posted on like this whole recruiting site for colleges. Like so-and-so was just offered to wherever. And she was talking to me about that because her son was starting to feel down because he wanted to play college basketball. And a lot of his travel teammates were posting things like so-and-so was offered here. And I'm, I was shocked that that stuff was even putting be, being put up and out there. Um, I know like when I was being recruited, I, I didn't really tell anybody like, you know, in my mind, it was my business. And really, I don't think you should. I don't know. I think putting that out there is kind of setting yourself up, you know, to be judged. And Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's, you know, I don't think you should need other people congratulating you on that. You should feel good about that internally and within your small circle. But, um, you know, obviously, when you decide to go somewhere and you commit and you sign like, yeah, but putting all the little details out there for everybody. Um, I just, I personally don't think it's really a good idea. Yeah, because exactly because you're, you're, um, it's kind of like listening to people tell you you're good enough, you know, whether it be coaches or fans or people, you know, as a pro athlete, you have yeah. everybody, everybody's stroking your ego all the time in the pros, even in college. Right. <laughs> Um, in high mm-hmm. school, you know, and I, and I was always one of those, like, I don't really, I don't really believe, <laughs> like, maybe it was just, that was like my, my mindset. Like, I didn't have enough confidence to believe everything people said. But I also knew 
that if I listened to what everyone told me, you know, I would also be listening to the other end of the spectrum when everything is going bad. Yeah. Well, then this must be true too, you know? And, and I think that's like a really interesting, you know, it's kind of like an, a detached mindset. Okay, great. I got offered a scholarship. Great. That's awesome. I'm right. not, I don't, I don't have to share that with anybody. I don't even, you know, and I, I have a kid, RJ Taylor, Bob Taylor's uh, a coach that used to coach me as a kid. And, and I tell, I just tell RJ, you know, listen, I didn't, I didn't get recruited by any D1 schools my entire high school um, career. All right. And there was a part of me that. Yeah, which is crazy. Which is, about this. Yeah, <laughs> which is wild. I'm from Northern Michigan. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a short white kid from Northern Michigan, right? And, you know, and, and I didn't play in the inner city. I didn't play in a tough league. I thought, I mean, it was not a bad league. Alpena, Traverse City Central. They were number one in the state. You know, we had played some good teams. River Rouge. You know, we played against, they had five D1 guys. I had I think, 34 points against, you know, I had some good games. Maria. It wasn't like, Oh, Trevor choked. I, I believe you. You know me. <laughs> I hadn't heard of you, but I've heard since. Yeah, I. You know, I remember every single one of those games because it mattered. I, I wanted to prove that I could play at that bubble, but nobody believed that I could. I I was the only one. For you know, like, it turns out I was right. the only one. My mom was like, "You should go D. You should go sign D two and just take the scholarship, honey." And I'm like. Mom, I am not going D2 until it's like the very last possible, you know, like I'm going to wait and wait and wait, right. improve, improve. I, I'm going to keep getting better. I'm going to keep doing my work, you know, my basketball workouts and, and going downstate to play against guys. And I think it's really important that you, you don't, you don't listen to either side, you know, you don't listen to what, yeah, yeah. You know? cause Dane Fife was Mr. Basketball. Uh, you know, you had, I, if I looked at the list, if you looked at the list of the players from your senior year in high school, that, mm -hmm. you know, we're getting recruited or we're like hyped up as top players. And then you look at who actually goes and has successful college yeah. and pro careers. It's insane. Like it's I didn't know anybody on the list. I was like, I mm -hmm. was I the only one, you know, like, right. Okay. Antonio Gates made 190 million playing football, but you know, a lot of those other guys on that, that list did not play. And it, it's crazy. And that again, don't get caught up in the mm -hmm. hype is the moral good or bad, you know? And, Right. I think it's important, like you said, too, like, you don't want to, I'm like a big Phil Jackson fan. I've read all his books. So he talks about a lot, like, not, yeah, like not getting, you know, like not getting so caught up in the highs, but then also not thinking super low in the lows, like trying to remain more in the middle. And I think, like, to your point, yeah, people can be telling, oh, you're so great. Oh, you got an offer here. Oh, you're going to go so big. Do you want whatever? But then, you know, you have a bad game or, somebody else gets offered to the place you want to go, you know, then it's going to, it can go the other way and you don't want to get wrapped up. You don't want to get wrapped up so far in the hype because like you mentioned, it's going to swing the other way too at some point. And you really just need to kind of like depend on your mindset. Like you were saying, you kind of just went about your business. You had your goal. And, and I think you also talked, you know, like with the people close to you, like your mom and your, your trusted circle. Um, so yeah, that's something I don't know. It's a whole different, it's a whole different thing now than like when we went through it. Um, yeah, I'm so glad I didn't really have all that social media part of it. Uh, Cause I even had people, you know, wait, you're looking at D2. You should only go D1. Why don't you go D1? Or, Oh, you're looking at D2. I don't know. I don't know if you're really going to play that much at D2. You know, like everybody has opinions. And like you said, like it's up to you, what you do, the work you put in, who's in that inner circle. And eventually yeah, like there's players who were ranked way higher than me in high school, but I had them 
I had a better college career than they did, or I'm still playing, you know? And mm-hmm. so it, what someone says about you as a sophomore, um, take it as a grain of salt, I think. Yeah. Take it on a grain of salt and go sit in a coffee shop and eat the bagel that it came on <laughs> because it's not worth anything. You know, it's just, it's no, just it's food. Not. It's literally just food that people eat and they believe it. That is a weird metaphor, but okay. Um, no, I, yeah, it was, <laughs> <clears throat> let's talk about your training. Um, I think I talk a lot about training on this podcast, you know, with Matt McQuaid and Riley Lachance and JJ and a lot of the other pro players I've had on here. But you yeah. um, are special because you actually studied, you know, this. This was your major. You know, this was one of the things you did in, at UNLV. You were assist, assistant strength and conditioning coach for the men's team, right? Um, the men's team was one of them, but yeah, a variety okay. of teams. Yeah. So and then, so tell me a little bit about your approach to strength and conditioning, just training in general. Yeah. So, man, that's a in-depth question these days for me because I think the longer you play, the more you learn, the more you have to adjust. Um, I would say my training's changed quite a bit from when I was in college to now. Um, I spend a lot more time now on on small details and specifics and what does my body specifically need? You know, whereas I think in college it was like, all right, here's your program. It's pretty much the same for everybody. Go knock this out. Um, and now I'm much, I have to be, uh, much more, I guess, smart about what I'm doing. And, and then I was dealing with the plantar fasciitis for, uh, for two years now. So that kind of changed things for me too. But, um, kind of the importance of my my warm up, my cool down, my recovery outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are the things that have changed a lot more for me. You know, while I'm in the gym, I just try and be, okay, what exactly do I want to work on? You know, I'm not necessarily going in the gym for hours at a time anymore, like just like messing around and getting up hundreds and hundreds of shots. I'm much more methodical about it and okay, this is what I really want to work on and accomplish today. Um, and yeah, I know we can get so in depth with this and we've talked about it before. And I like breaking it down. I think for any parents, I think a lot of high school parents, especially, you know, probably are like, well, what should my kid be doing in middle school and high school? Like, why don't you give people your opinion or your feelings on that? Right. So I, and I get a lot of questions about that around here and I've run like a summer strength conditioning program for a while. And, uh, yeah, it's that whole field's grown so much. So I can understand why it's probably overwhelming. I what I work with whenever I work with like uh, middle school and high school is first of all like we'll do mobility drills. So to warm up, we'll do like an ankle mobility, a hip mobility, sometimes a shoulder mobility. You know, we go through a full dynamic warm up where we're really working on our movement and how are we moving while we're warming up. Um, and then often that goes into maybe a quick little in our dynamic warm up, okay, like sprint form, you know, driving your knee, pulling up your toe, using your glutes, driving off your big toe. Like I try and put in all those little details to just let's just make sure like our movement and what we're going to be doing is quality instead of just, you know, basically quality over quantity is what I really am uh, working with now with athletes. So um, as far as strength and conditioning program, like, I always think it's best to, you know, form first, make sure you're you're doing something correctly before you add a bunch of weight. 
you know, and Olympic lifting, in my in my opinion, in high school, isn't necessarily the end all be all. Like your time is limited, and your instruction. I don't know who might be teaching you, you know. So there's many other ways you can train for power than just Olympic lifting. And I think as you get older, if you have someone there who can teach you, or you have a developed program in high school, that's great. Um, and let's see. I also talk about like what what sports do you play, you know? So think about the sports you play. So we've talked about this, like in our virtual training that we were doing, you know, we have a lot of basketball players who some of them also run, say, cross country. And there's this kind of whole thing, especially in Northern Michigan where, oh, I just run cross country to get in shape for basketball. Well, those are two very different sports and you're using like different energy systems in those sports. So if you really want to be a great basketball player, you know, also think about, okay, what movements do I do in basketball? I do a lot of cutting, change of speed, change of direction, a lot of different plyometrics. So you want to make sure you're putting those things into your, into your program. You know, you're training how you're going to play. Um, and I don't know, does that answer somewhat? Yeah, yeah for sure. I okay. I, I, you know, we did, uh, on the virtual Huffman basketball club, you know, where Maria had, was doing virtual workouts. I was doing virtual workouts. And I, I watched one of your speed and agility, you know, quickness ones. And uh, I just loved it because one, you know, it's relative to the sport of basketball, which is very unique in that you have to move in every direction pretty, pretty dang fast. You know, you can't be, uh, you can't, you, you, you can't, play the game of basketball successfully uh without being at max intensity or full out you know and i and i talk to a lot of right. kids about you know if we train fast we you know we can play faster and that goes from your dribbling with a ball to getting your footwork so that you can improve uh you can get to that footwork at full speed you know whether it's the you know the different footworks we talk about you know in terms of dribbling mm-hmm. and one two step jump stop you know pivoting um getting into step backs or lateral steps or skips or slides, you know, all these footwork things that, you, you know, kids typically can't do. They have to learn slow right. and then they have to, and then they have to get that up to, to full intensity or, or game speed. And I think that's the, the, the beauty of kind of what I watched your workout. I was like, one, people were competing. And I think, you know, you yeah. talk, talk a little bit about open and close trading, you know, and how you, you, you use those models to one, kind of have kids reacting and going full speed but also parents were jumping in like i saw dads yeah dads and daughters like racing each other (laughs) and i was like i was just had the biggest smile on my face because i'm like why don't why don't more parents get engaged with their kids okay you don't want to get hurt you can still you know i have i have a few parents in the huffman club the virtual club that jump out there and are, are are modeling for their kids, what fitness and training should look like, you know, and not, it's okay to get out there and show, show what you're, uh, you know, that you still got it. You know, I still, I still got it. I I don't, but you know, like it's fun for the kids. (laughs) You're modeling to your kids that it's, it's okay to get out there and, and, and put the effort in, you know, keep putting that effort in max effort too. And that's what I loved about your workout. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the speed and agility, I mean, I'm sure you did stuff in college. We did speed and agility training in college. That's something that I didn't really do a lot of in high school. You know, it was more like, all right, go out and run a mile to like get in shape for basketball. And um, for me, like that would have been really beneficial because I always say like I'm never the quickest or fastest person on the court. So that is something like I wish I would have started earlier. 
And and then at UNLV, I was often in charge. You know, the the strength head strength coach would give me, okay, here's their whole speed agility for the summer. I was typically there in the summers, um, so I was doing all that stuff with men's and women's basketball teams, um, volleyball, some soccer. So then I had like, you know, oh, okay, cool. There's so many other things that I didn't know about. So then I was I would do them myself because I was still training um, for my for my pro seasons, and then I was also implementing it with the athletes there. And um, so, yeah, again, it's talking about these, it's all max effort, you know, max effort for maybe 20, 30 seconds, and then having that rest, having at least twice the amount of rest, sometimes three times the amount of rest. And I think it's fun because it's a whole different way for kids to, to sort of train and condition, but it's short bursts and it's quick change of speed, you know, it's, um, and like, yeah, I try and make it competitive. So they're not just doing it like for time by themselves, but then they actually have to compete against someone. And the one thing I sort of started reading more about and then trying to implement in my own training was not just having like an agility drill where I know exactly where I'm supposed to go, but then adding something in there where I have to react. So whether that's you have to react on like a call, like if they tell you to reverse or, you know, if they're pointing different directions and you have to sprint or slide. Um, so because in sports, again, you know, yeah, we're training for that max max effort in some drills. But then also when you step on the field or the court, like you don't know exactly what movement you're going to have to do, you know, especially if you're defending somebody or whatever yeah. it is. So you have to kind of train to on that reaction as well. And I'll do a lot of like tennis ball drops or, um, you know, slides where they have to try and catch a tennis ball laterally or just different things like that. And it's just, and it's fun, like you said, you know, and it was cool, like seeing those parents jumping in that, oh my gosh, I yeah, love that. Because no, um, no better way to lose yeah. weight. Yeah. And it doesn't there. really require like the skill, you know, like with yeah. when you are doing a sport, you know, like, yeah, that requires somewhat of that skill can you still do the dribbling or maybe a parent didn't play that sport you know but with this stuff you know you're you don't need that like yeah. you can just jump in and give it a go it's not like uh you don't have to go the parents just have to get out there just being there is the, the big thing but uh i love that model of like open training and, and close you know like um everything a lot of the stuff that we like i love to do when i'm training kids is you know footwork ball handling dribbling you know uh kind of going over some of those movement patterns with a ball and with their feet that they'll that they'll use in the game but then and then as soon as you do that you know i would say 10 to 15 percent of that and then go right into competition go right into uh, micro situations they would see in the game so a guard would would see a pick and roll let's play pick and roll you know i'll hedge and then or mm -hmm. you got to get downhill and play one-on-one -on -one. um you got it a, a guy went under a screen you know can the kids read that because in europe you know when they're nine eight nine years old they're already going over the reads of how to play basketball. You know, I think that's one thing that um, yep. our American system doesn't do. We just kind of go play like AAU is like, go play, go play. Uh, you know, you're big, you're under the hoop, you're fast, you're a guard, you know, like, and let's go win. Let's play zone. We'll win, win, win. And I think in Europe, it's not, they keep score, but they also, you know, they, everything in their practices, you know, is about learning how to play, learning how to develop your skills. Um, you know, doing speed and agility. They usually do five to 10 minutes of footwork and ladders and, and jump. Yeah, rope. they do a lot of that. 
you know, and they mm-hmm. and they race and they do these fun games with kids. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, you know, that that we could do as coaches and trainers and uh, parents even to help our kids. Yeah, like, it's I, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. It just makes me think of something that when I started playing over there, I definitely noticed that, you know, because I'm probably the same with your teams or for people, I guess, who don't know, like the pro team is basically like the top of that club, the top level of a club. But that club will have teams, youth teams, you know, all the way down or they'll have like a second division pro team and then they'll have, you know, 20 and under, 18 and under, whatever it is, all the way down. And I have helped um, coach here and there like at some of the some of the teams I've played for, like with the young kids, or I'll just stop in to like help out and and it's really interesting seeing how they do train and it's totally different than um youth sport like the youth basketball stuff I've seen in the US. Um just and again, like you said, they teach more like how to read something. You know, like I'd never go into like a youth practice in Europe and see them going through set plays. I haven't right. really, I've never seen that. Never. Whereas here, like a lot of times if I just help out with a practice or I ref a lot like youth stuff, I, it kills me because I see like, these sixth graders and, you know, the coach is yelling out a play for them to run. And I'm like, they're sixth graders, you know, like they should be just kind of learning more how to move without the ball and things Mm -hmm. like that than necessarily just going and setting a ball screen over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's totally different. I think they're up on us. They have one up on us um, in that respect over there. Right. With, with their training of you. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we have some of the best athletes in the world. And, you know, when you take, when you take our second tier, you know, not with the women, the women, the USA women seem to just dominate all the time. But, you know, if you take the second tier NBA players and third tier, you know, they get their butt kicked. You know, NBA teams come over and lose to the yeah. top, some some of the clubs in Europe all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, these guys, a lot of these guys aren't as fast or athletic, but what they do have is they know how to play. They read the game so well because they start, you know, and if you're a program out there and you want to build a program, you know, you should start you know, at those younger ages, you know, developing, you know, two on O pick and roll or two on two dribble drive or, or pivoting move, you know, building all those skills that, that help, uh, your kids learn how to play the game rather than just being focused on the winning. And I think, right. Yeah. A really big key that I think, you know, and a lot of the stuff we coach is footwork, footwork, footwork. Cause I think the European, mm-hmm. they have such good footwork. You know, they can pass, Thank they you. can, they can all, they can read the game. They can, they're, they're, they know how to position their body to, to get in the right spot at the right time. And, um, you know, it's a fun way. If you can get anywhere on the court with the, you know, I'm a guard. So of course I, you know, I, I'd love to teach every six, nine kid how to dribble and have footwork. But, you know, right. in the States, we just don't, we specialize them. We say, Oh, you yeah. gotta go. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't have the Luka Donachichis. We don't have the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Porzingis's, you know, that are six, seven, three and can shoot and pass. And, you know, and so it's bo- it does bother me a little bit because I think America, we are so focused on winning at an early age that we, we forget about the big picture of, of skill the development. The yeah. Development. No, I'm with you on that. I noticed that too. Um, that was a big change for me when I did end up going to Europe and, you know, we would be doing like ball handling or whatever it was in practice. And 
yeah, like my R6-3 center is right there doing the same stuff. She's going through the agility ladder and going into a quick, you know, of course, are some of our guards better? Yeah, but yeah, they don't, they're not specializing. Like we did some guard and post breakdown at times, of course, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, like college, like we always separated. We always, you know, you didn't really have, it was so, oh, you're going to be a four, you're going to be a five, you're going to be a one. And I think especially in the college game, it's like that. And as, as the bigger programs you go, it's more, this is your role and this is what you're going to do. And it's just going to be a couple things. Um, whereas over in Europe, yeah, they, yeah, you might have a position that's your strength, but based off of how they play and the flow and the speed of the game, you're going to have to be able to do other things. And, you know, I think the game in the U.S. is starting to transition more to that. You know, I'm starting to hear more like about colleges wanting to get the, the six one girl who could maybe play like the point, like, you know, that stuff's becoming more of a thing, but I know even just 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, like when I was in high school and that like, that was the big reason I really didn't end up going division one is because programs were like, well, are you a three or are you a four? You're just, you're just not sure. Yeah. You know, and it, it was interesting because they wanted to just put me in a, spot right away and they weren't really thinking like how can we develop this player to maybe play multiple positions at this level you know and i think i'd be like you're the one like in high school i'd be like okay you're playing the point guard right and that was the thing that was you can do everything you know anthony davis look at kevin durant like the the guys that we've developed or or brianna stewart you know you look at the the w and nba players that are the best in the world well what are they they're it turns they're out versatile. they're versatile <laughs> and, and, and you yeah. didn't pigeonhole them right off the bat. And, and they, they're essentially probably got told like, Hey, you can do anything. We're going to, we're going to train you like, you know, we're going to train you like a point guard, you know, where you get to put you, you right. know, from one through five, you're going to learn all the skills. And, you know, you look at Brianna Stewart or you look at KD or you look at LeBron, you look at the, those players, you know, and you're like, well, what if Dwight Howard had learned how to dribble? Oh, <laughs> right. oh my gosh. Watch out, everybody. What if you know, could the break and pull up and hit a three or like a dribble pull up? Oh, oh my gosh. It's insane. I know. Now, yeah. yeah. Granted, he made a ton of, he made millions and millions of dollars. So, what is success? I don't know. Right. I guess it's just right. being the best yeah. you can be. You know, like at the end of the day, is. Could he, could he have been, uh, had a completely different skill set if, if people had worked with him at a younger age? Heck yeah. I 100% believe that. And you look at the European right. model, you know, you got, you got center shooting threes, passing. You got, you know, Joe Jokic from Denver, one of the best passers in the NBA. So yeah, yeah, that's what they focus on. You know, they, they say it's okay to make mistakes when you're little, you know, letting, you know, mm-hmm. letting them grow and get out, you know, doing stuff that, that doesn't specialize. So I think it's a really important thing. If you have a kid out there and you're a parent, um, don't, you know, don't say, Oh, well, honey, you're, you're just kind of, you're the big, you're the, you, you developed early, you know, you, you're, you're the tallest kid in the class and, and they want you to play. No, keep working on the dribbling, keep working, playing one-on-one with your parents. Uh, if your parent, if you yeah. can't play one-on-one and you're a parent, get one of those water noodles and hold that in your hand. <laughs> So that you don't have to move as much and you just throw the ball to them and say, all right, try to score on me. I got a water noodle in my hand. You know, good luck. <laughs> good luck, little yeah. Benny. Benny, you're too slow. And then you can talk trash to your kids and have some fun. I, I That's how I would raise my... If I had a kid, I would just... And I'm 
you know, I'm 65, can't move. I would just get like a water noodle and then just play defense the entire time, you know, or just like shoot it because I'm taller than them with one hand because I'm going to move. Right. Yeah, like just don't pigeonhole your kids. And I see it with <laughs> parents telling me, you know, oh, well, they're really small, so they probably won't be very good. And I'm like, wait a minute. Some of the best point guards I've played with have been like 5'2". Yeah. You know, like that or, again, they're going to grow. Like Things are going to change. Or, yeah, I hate seeing their kids who are like a seventh grader and they're way taller than everyone. So the coaches just say, all right, you just go down to the block. You turn around and, and shoot it. And then you know, all of a sudden they're a junior in high school and now they're the shortest person on the team. Yeah. And what, what can they bring? And um, so, yeah, I think as a parent, you know, challenging your child to keep working on different things. And I think that's the fun part about basketball is there's always something to work on, you know, and yeah. I'm finding that out. Like you kind of challenged me. Um, you know, I used to play like point guard in high school or in college. I played a little bit like I played inside and outside, but then, I mean, that helped me transition to the pro game, but still it's like, okay, if I want to keep moving up in leagues, I have to be better from the perimeter. And, you know, it's, it's, that's been fun for me, like this whole, during this whole weird pandemic time and having to come back from Australia was like, I had a new challenge. Like, okay, hmm. Trevor told me my ball handling sucks. I need to get better at <laughs> I it. I don't think I used those <laughs> exact words. I, there. I was just like, you have, you ball handling could do a lot of work. Your footwork could use yeah. off the dribble. It's tough. It's not like, you know, like mm-hmm. you're saying, you, that isn't something that, you know, people really focusing with you on, you know? And I think like you get frustrated sometimes because we'll be, I'll be like, no, Maria, you gotta do that. And you're like, gosh, dang it. But at the same time, do, yeah. you, you know, that is change, you know, that, that frustration. And I think parents and kids, they get frustrated when they're doing something new and they kind of give up. You, know, you got to look at it like, all right, man, this is my first day. It's going to take me. You know, it's going to take me 30 days to get, if I did this every day for 30 days, you know, or 21 days in the Huffman challenge we do with the kids, you know, some of them do, we, if you get 21 days in a row, you got to, you get a t-shirt, you know, and, right. and I think that it's hard to, to see the progress because you want it so quick. Our culture is like the get rich quick, the overnight solutions like me, I'm trying every, I'm trying every fad diet and possible to lose that 10 pounds. You know, it's not going to work, Trevor. It's just yeah. you got to get out there and ride the bike and, and do the stuff that, you know, it doesn't hurt your, your knees and your ankles. You know, I got to just put in the time. So it's just the same thing for a for a kid that, you know, has has a hard time or a coach that has a hard time. Like, oh, I want to do this shooting drill and I want to make I want to make I want to make all my layups in this shooting, you know, all my shots in this shooting drill. OK, you you want to make all your shots in that shooting drill, but yet in the game, you know, you're shooting 40%. Why would you do a shooting drill, Maria, that mimics nothing about a real exactly. game, you know, or, or a finishing mm-hmm. drill, you know? So even with, you know, even with some of these younger players that, uh, you know, I've been working with that are, I think are, are have a really good chance to play in college. You know, I say, well, let's, let's pick three shots. I do, you know, we'll do a one inside, outside footwork, outside, inside footwork, and a lateral slide, mm-hmm. okay, or a lateral step back. And we'll use the pick and roll. So you got to, you got to go game speed. You got to go, you got to shift your speed from slow to fast at the, at the chair. And you got to shoot threes. All right. Or, you know, like if they're younger, I wouldn't shoot threes, but, you know, they're in high school, they can shoot. Right. And, um, you know, it's funny because I'll be like, all right, you, you, we're going to do this 
drill. It's kind of like open and closed training. Open, you know, closed training is like, we're going to just shoot stationary threes for a minute. We'll see how many you make. Right. Right. We kind of did this drill. I did this drill with you. It, you know, typically a great, you know, like Matt McQuaid got 14 in a minute. Big 10 players, you know, typically are over 11, 12 stationary threes in a minute. But the moment I tell Matt McQuaid, all right, now we got to go off the pick and roll. All right. And you got to shoot threes. Okay. If you miss two threes in a row, then you have to go take two jumpers to get back to the three point line to, to keep that pattern going. So you're doing the, that same pattern of shots. One inside, outside right. footwork, outside, inside footwork, kind of like a hezzy into a pull up and then, and then into like a step back pattern or a, you know, a, a stab. And right. Step back. You have a few options. Few options. I give them a few options, and and it's amazing how the efficiency goes way down. You just give you get down, way down. Like I'm talking, like mm-hmm. even even Matt sometimes would get three or four makes. RJ, you know, three, two, one. Some guys that want to go play high Division One college, one make. You're talking about you're shooting for a minute, and you can only get one make. Okay, and mm-hmm. they're just and they and it just messes with their mind. They're getting out of rhythm. And, and you kind of, we had done a similar workout. And that happened with me. <laughs> and it happened, it happened with you. All of a sudden, you put mental, not only you put mental yep. pressure where if you don't, if you miss two in a row, then you you got to go in and make two in a row. You got to do shoot a floater or a pull up or a different shot each time. And so you're, you're mentally like, oh, I can't miss this shot. I, I got to stay out here. I want to mm-hmm. get out here. I want to get my points. But, you know, then you're changing your footwork every time so you can't get in a rhythm. That to me is game life. Okay. You never know. Right. All right. Well, what, what, who, how's the defense going to play me this time? It's never going to be a, a stationary three. Yet all the time I see coaches just shooting stationary three. You know, like, oh, we're going to shoot for a minute and this five spots, and I just it, yeah. Know. So I really like to try to push yeah. do drills like that where it's where it's different. You have to. You're not going to get thirty of the same shots in a row unless you're trying to really learn a new like something that you've never done. You know, if it's something you've never done, like a one-two step or. a you know, getting down yeah. into a into a hezzy pull up or in out pull up, you know, stuff like that. I'll be like, okay, we can we can take our time and, and get a lot of reps to learn the footwork right. in the in the in the pattern. But after that, it's time to you know, it's time to mix it up. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great, and it's always better. I always say too, like now I'm noticing more and more, and I try and do it with my own training and when I'm training kids is. You just, you want to be prepared for all different situations in the game. Like, you want to be prepared. You want to be working on that in your practicing. So then when that happens in the game, like, you're not shocked. You're not a fish out of water. Or like you said, you're not all of a sudden going to go, like, one for ten from the arc. You know, you're, you're training those patterns and you're trying those things. You're trying those different situations all during your training, you know. So then in the game, you're prepared and, and you're ready to go. All right. Next, my next question is... It has to do with women. Now, I know Ooh. you're... Ooh, yeah, this is a hot topic. Uh, women in the NBA. Yeah, okay. Talk about it. Sorry, one minute. I'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in the middle right. of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Don't forget to check out these other great shows on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Cavalier Central, and of course, our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. You can find all our shows on your favorite podcast apps. All right, Maria. The last question I asked was before you, your uncle rudely interrupted you and wanted to say goodbye <laughs> to you. Ruined the entire podcast. I just had to. Yeah. I didn't. I lost all my flow. 
I was in yeah, such I a good. I was in. The, I was in the zone. I was in the zone. I didn't know what. To do. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, do I just keep let you talk and you ignore it? Say goodbye to my uncle, then jump back on. I think you should have just said goodbye to him and just said, "Hey, it was great to see you. I'm on a pod, one of the highest grossing pods, most successful pods in the history of Northern." Just kidding. All and right. What? You kind of chilled <laughs> Yeah, because there's no, there's literally no tagline that that fits. Hey, you got to start somewhere. That's exactly right. I don't do this for the money, Maria. I do this because I love to talk about basketball and um, just the, you know, the internal battles that we all go through. So, yeah. Um, which, um, you are proudly one of the first pro female athletes I've had on the uh, on the podcast. It's taken me too long. Um, yeah, it has. It has. But... It has. And, you know, I'd like to have a diverse and um, holistic look, you know, from 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 uh, from athletes, you know, from from both sides, male and female. And um, something I'm working on, I want, you know, I want to grow my my, uh, you know, my empathy, my understanding of, of what's what's really going on out there. And so with with that, why don't you just talk a little bit about women in sports in general? And where do you think the general direction we're headed and, and, and where you think it should be going? Yeah, so it's been interesting, I think, because throughout my journey, I've kind of realized more and more the kind of the discrepancy between the two or maybe, I guess I didn't realize growing up the gap between men and women's sports and often the, the support for maybe one over the other. Um, and, you know, at the pro level, it hits you pretty hard in the face because, you know, there's definitely wage differences um, and there's differences as far as media coverage and things like that. Um, so I will say this, though, as far as Europe is concerned, it's pretty cool, I think, how they structure sports because, you know, you can continue playing with it's club based. So, you know, someone could continue playing even if it's not at a super high level, but they're still competing. And I think that's so important, especially on the women's side of things, because in the U.S., especially, you know, like college sports for females, well, for males and females, but I think especially for females is kind of it. You know, after after a college career, or I mean, especially after a high school career, because now we're speaking, you know, what is it, like 1% continue on to play Division one and two percent continue on to play Division two of all um, high school athletes. So, like for women, I and I've noticed it more and more. You know, there's just not a lot of opportunities for when you're done playing high school or college basketball to continue. And that's you know the main reason so many female basketball players go and play in Europe because they have so many leagues and they have multiple leagues. And mm-hmm. you know, here in the U.S. There's the WNBA, which has been picking up a little more steam, which is awesome. But still, you know, it's there's 12 teams. There's 12 spots on 12 teams. It's 144 spots. You know, and I In think people don't. Yeah, and I don't think people understand that. You know, like I get questions all the time. You're like, well, when do you think you're going to come back and play in the U.S.? <laughs> and it's just like, well, you know, there's only 144 spots for like the best players for the best players in the world, you know, and I, you know how difficult it is just to make the NBA. 
but then think about how many more teams and how many more spots there are, you know, even compared to just the 12. Um, so yeah, I, my personal thing I've kind of taken upon myself, I guess. And I know I, yeah, sometimes I give you a hard time about it too, but it's just, I'm trying to promote, I think the, the female side of things and female sports and the importance of them, um, both for life lessons, like we've talked about. And I think there's so much to be offered with women's athletics and it's kind of like untapped. You know, it's something that hasn't been, especially in the U.S., developed near where it could be. And I think we're going to see it really take off. And I think if anyone is like a business person in sports or sports management, like the women's side is probably the place to go right now to get it kind of ahead of the curve. I know that's something like, you know, Kobe Bryant talked about a lot. And I actually started following Kobe Bryant way more after his playing career. You know, I respected him, of course, as an amazing basketball player, but I started listening and following him much more after his playing days when he got so involved with things on the women's side. Um, so that's just, yeah, something that I've kind of, I guess, become a, an important thing for me to focus on. And growing up up here, um, you know, when I come back to Northern Michigan, there are no women's leagues for me to play in in the summer. You know, there's there's no women's open gym. There's I, I have to play with guys. Like that is my only option. And I think it's just kind of a bummer because you know there's there's great women's players, especially around Northern Michigan, who had really great high school careers and really great college careers. Some better than me, you know, but they they don't really have that opportunity to continue to just play. Um, it's so much more on like the men's side than the women's side um, of things. So, mm-hmm. and we kind of joked around. I never, we, I never yeah. really thought about that. Like, really, there's no women leagues in northern Michigan or or around up. up there's there? no. I mean, like the the YMCA has kind of like a a league sometimes in the winter, you know, which at least is something. Um, oh, but you know, there's nothing that's like decent like pretty competitive you know what i mean like for you i'm sure when you came back you could play places where you're playing against like other former college and even maybe current pros right and and up here there's not and even in lower michigan i'm not i don't know you know i think there's been things in maybe a league in grand rapids where some of the college players could jump in and stuff like that and i know in more metropolitan areas i have some of my teammates i've played with overseas like on the east coast they might have some good like open gyms they can jump in, but um, yeah, it's just a totally different thing. It's uh, there's just a huge discrepancy there, and it's it's kind of a bummer. And I, I like it too when you tell kids like challenge your mom, like you say challenge your dad, but you also say like challenge your mom, which I think is really cool because you know there's like moms out there who can hoop, like or they're really good at soccer or they're really good at whatever it is, but I think it's just kind of those those stigmas of not not seeing women necessarily yeah. or not seeing moms yeah, it's in funny. those roles. Let me tell you what, I got a WNBA story. I played a WNBA player. Um, she was a, she played for the Liberty. Um, her name, I, I didn't even know she was in the WNBA until after. And I remember I had a, 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 you know, she was just killing these guys out at the park. And, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, so how old are you? We're like, how old are you? Uh, I think I was in, in college and in, in the pro, like maybe first year in the pros. And I was just getting, you know, just playing outside, just found a, found a park to play in. And there was one, yeah. one female there and, and, uh, she was in the WNBA and she was just, 
murdering these guys and on the basketball court and just you know just so it was so cool to see and i'm like if i have a daughter you know my i I always say like um sports is sports you know like yeah and um it doesn't matter if 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 you can get if you can get your if you can get out on the court and get out there and play because i think playing is the most you know that's why we all started this game we didn't we didn't start to make money when we were kids we didn't start um to get instagram followers we didn't start to you know to uh, get a scholarship really we started because we loved to play and that's kind of sad because you know what you're saying is there's not even places to play for women unless they join men which you know mm-hmm. at, at a certain point you know you could do that but what if you know what if you want to play with your girls what if you want to play with uh you, you know your friends and, and have a league just for you guys and i think that's uh Right. What would you and do I to think get it started? Like, how would you, how would you advocate? Yeah. How would you, how, how could people improve women in sports and, and, and getting that discrepancy less and less? I think the, the main thing is kind of what you said. You, you need to see it, you know, and I think that's the big push, like with the WNBA right now and like their televised games are girls and boys need to see women playing, women competing. Um, because if you don't see it, you don't know that really exists in a way or it doesn't hit home for you. So I think for me, I was fortunate because growing up, you know, my parents never said anything about like, you know, well, that's a boy's, a boy's hobby. That's a girl's hobby that they never, it was never like that at all. So I always played like with boys or competed against boys. I also had a group of girls who were like that too. So like we used to challenge the boys all the time on the playground or at recess. Like it wasn't, I just grew up with that. But at the same time I was like taking ballet for seven years, you know? So there, there wasn't these, (laughs) yeah. So like, you know, I, again, we talked about it earlier, not pigeonholing your child, first of all, in a sport, but also in what sports or hobbies they want to do. And, um, hey, fun so fact. for me, I fun, can I just, fun fact, <laughs> yeah. ballet on the back. I, <laughs> I, I had my little brother take ballet. I told him, Hey, he was, a, yeah. I think he was a first year or second year pro. And I was like, you're, you're a body control stinks. I think I said, yeah, kind of like I told you, ballet's you're hard. Your ball, your ball handling drill oh, stinks. Yeah. I was like, D2. Mm-hmm. Your body control stinks. When you get to the rim, you're like, oh, you flop around, you throw the ball up. And I'm like, uh, I think you should take, you should do something different this summer. Take ballet. It was, Did it, it help him? Oh, oh, yeah. He said it helped him a ton. He's like, my spatial awareness got so much better and, and, and where I was in, in, in the air and how to land. And so, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. Ballet's tough, by the way. My ballet teacher is still out of all the coaches I've had. I'm more scared of her than anybody. That's ever. hilarious. But, um, anyway, what was I saying? Okay. So yeah, it's just, I think, like you said, getting out playing, not being afraid of, you know, boys, girls, whatever, like, and, and then those, everyone needs to see it. Like they just, so it starts at the top. It starts with things being televised. It starts with, you know, social media is great now because in that respect, because you can get to know like some of these women's stories through Instagram or through, you know, um, and before, like, you didn't really know, you know, and, and like you said, I think too, it's huge just for men to be able to see it because for you, probably when you saw that player and how she could play, I'm sure your respect sort of 
one up just probably for women's game in general because you're like yeah. oh wow okay she can, yeah she like, could play she could yeah. play she was on the court not only on the court she was doing doing things you know where you're like right my expect i was like yeah. whoa, whoa mind blown mind blown like every yeah. average dude out there that is like oh the wnba is terrible and you're like she would roast you like literally <laughs> these i know women, i know if you played these women all the average guys out there that you know you're like oh yeah the wnba is too boring like these girls are literally these women are just gonna just roast you and take you to the rack <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's interesting too because I think the men who know a lot about basketball have played at high levels or have coached, you know, for long periods of time and at higher levels, they're the ones that respect the women's game right off the bat. And the issue more lies, I think, with yeah, the people who maybe didn't, you know, they don't really know, they don't have that awareness and have seen it or have experienced playing against really good players yeah, who are the female, majority so. of the majority of men out there did not play college or pro basketball. Um, no. Yeah. You know, they, they, they don't understand the technical abilities that these women have. My little brother practices with the Seattle storm. So he plays with Sue bird. He plays with Brandon Stewart. He, he literally, he's like, Trevor, if, if, if they get position on you, it's over. Like, Mm-hmm. They're so good, you know. The 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 you know Sue Bird is so good at running pick and rolls. He said, and I, you know, like I find so much, yeah. you know, my I've shifted, like, because I I think I used to be the same, you know. I used to think oh, I don't really like the WNBA. It's it, you know, I just don't enjoy it. But now that I've coached, and now that I'm kind of done looking, and I look back, and I'm seeing like they actually play the right way more so right. than the men. They make the right reads they make the right pass they use the right foot you know they don't just rely on athleticism which i think a yeah lot of, a lot of the men's um play does you're just like you watch it does yeah. you watch college basketball you're like these guys are literally missing every it's like watching mm-hmm. lamborghinis go down a highway just missing every exit you know they're making <laughs> it's like oh that guy was open oh that was the wrong read oh they just jumped mm-hmm. and hoped for the best you know and they're just playing as fast as they can and and then you go to the women's side and I just enjoy the quality for for coaches out there it's so much more fun to watch the WNBA now that I'm a coach and seeing how they run their sets and how they yeah. execute their sets and how they they use continuity in their offenses and it's a really fun way to learn uh coach I, I think coaching in general is just watching what they're doing and, and taking stuff even at the youth levels they're right no I agree right? Yeah, and I think even, you know, I actually, I used to watch men's college basketball a lot, but I've almost, I'm starting to watch women's college basketball more. And I think even the last few years, you know, you, you've had these players coming up who are just phenomenal, like Sabrina Inescu. And, uh, you know, you had Notre Dame, like, they hit the buzzer beaters in the semifinal, in the final game, the same player, you know, so I think it's cool because people are starting to put it more on the map. And again, not just for girls to see or women to see, but for men to see too. And I think, you know, we're not trying to say one's better than the other, but they both bring different things. They both elevate the game. So how can we just appreciate it, you know, in general? And like you said, take things that you're noticing from the women's game that doesn't, the men's game doesn't have, or, you know, and um, I think, like kind of going back to your question about trying to how do we cultivate how do we get 
more opportunities for women to continue playing. And, you know, when, when I go to an open gym, which I always play with men now, and if I don't know anybody there, they don't know me, I haven't played there. You know, I walk into that space knowing like, okay, I have to have a chip on my shoulder and I have to, I'm going to have to prove myself right away because if not, because I know, you know, no one, no one's saying anything to me and I'm not saying everybody's like looking down on me like, oh, why is this woman here? Mm-hmm. But, but it is, you know, in, in some respects, some are. And, and it's, for me, it's fine because I'm thinking, okay, I don't really care what any of these people think because I actually get paid to play this game. <laughs> but for mm-hmm. somebody who, but for someone who, you know, played college or played, played um, high school basketball and was a great women's player, yeah, it's like, do you feel, is that fun for you on a Saturday morning or at 6 a.m. open gym to walk in and feel like you're immediately judged? Like, probably not, you know, it's not really like that safe space where for men, you know, anybody shows up for those. Like, sometimes you get guys who barely can dribble, but I don't think they're really, are they being, you know, judged right off the bat? Not really, not based off of their, like, appearance or their gender, you know, so... So that's, I think, another thing why it's difficult and you don't see it because, yeah, it's, and like I said, I'm kind of used to it. I kind of have fun with it now. Like It's kind of fun for me to just be like, okay, no one knows here that I play. And then, you know, I try and usually like make a statement right off the bat. And then after that, when I show up, I'm cool with the guys. I know them, you know, then it's, then it's fine. Down. Yeah, then, you know, and it's fun. And they usually, it's interesting kind of what you were saying to me about the women's game. Like, I'll have guys tell me like, wow, it's really fun playing with you. Like you're setting screens and you're doing this and, you know, and it's funny because I think they're kind of surprised, but it's like, well, yeah, like I, I have played this game at a fairly high level. Like I would you, hope I you could You set do a that. down screen for me. Thank you for setting that beautiful <laughs> down screen, which no man ever does. No, you know. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny and it's just like I've, you know, and it's cool though seeing also, I don't want to be a total downer because I have seen a shift. You know, for for me as a player and me as a coach, especially, you know, like when I would come back and work with kids starting mm-hmm. a few years ago, it was mainly girls. And I'd even have parents say like, oh, I'd love you to work with my daughter. Do you know, do you know, like a men's coach who could work with my son? And I'd be like, well, uh, yeah, like I can try and help you with that. Or I have no problem working with your son, you know, and then I was like, oh, OK. Yeah, sure. And it would go fine. And it was great. But again, it's like when you're not used to seeing it, you just you're not you don't know, you know, and I think that's just why it's so important to get women out there being seen, women coaches, you know, all these things. Um, I like one quick story. So this past winter, I started playing with these guys. I think I told you about this at one point uh, um, in uh, Glen Arbor, small mm-hmm. little gym. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys I played open gym with somewhere else had told me like, Hey Marie, you should come run with us this night. And I was like, yeah, for sure. You know? So I show up and, um, we start playing and like, you know, it was fun. It was small court. So it was perfect for me. And, um, and then after a while, you know, the guys again, like they were, they were great. And I do want to say like, there's a lot of men players who really embraced me and that's awesome because that allows me to continue to train. Um, and one time we were playing and, uh, um, one of the guys, his wife walked in and with, they have four little girls. So they all come like trooping in the gym. It's like dead of winter, you know, they're all kicking snow off their boots. And we had to stop the game cause the court's so small, like let them go sit down on the side. And, 
and I was defending him and I turned to him, we were about to chuck the ball off and I was like, oh, dang, you got like quite the, the fan group here tonight, you know? And he looks at me and he goes, fan group? He's like, wait, what? No, they're not here to watch me. They're here to watch you. And I just was so caught off guard. I was, I was like, oh, really? And it was just like the coolest thing. You know, I didn't, I never, I didn't think anything about it. But, you know, after he said that, you know, like I would score and like his wife and these four girls are cheering me on. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. And that's kind of, I was like, oh my God, I can't stop playing now. Like, (laughs) I feel like, you know, I have to keep going just so, so everyone can, again, just see something that's a little bit different, a little out of their norm, especially in Northern Michigan. How can, how can I inspire young basketball girls that are playing as a, as a guy, you know, what, what are some of the messages I could be um, giving to them, you know, as they're, as they're, you know, learning the game and getting started and kind of going through all these changes and and trying to figure out how to get confidence and, and, and like you say, just be, be equal, you know, like we're playing and, and, and we all get the chance to play too, you know, whether it's with girls or, or boys, you know, so how, what should I, what should yeah. a coach like me who, who wants to influence and inspire young, young women to, to, to develop into their best self and, and not be afraid of, of, of anything? What, what should I be saying to them? Well, I think to start off, you know, like I mentioned, when I grew up, I was kind of unaware of the difference. Like, or that there was one, you know, and, and I think that's one thing, like, I, I like how you do a lot of co-ed camps because let's be honest, at those ages, the girls are oftentimes the more, they're the better athletes anyway, mm-hmm. like middle school, early high school or late elementary, you know? So I think, you know, the way the fundamentals, all that, that stuff's the same. It's so... And then I think, like, I've kind of sometimes mentioned to you, you know, like certain WNBA players or pros, and because we, I notice with men, they often always give examples of men's college players, or if you want to be like so-and-so, or you want to be like Steph Curry, and so it's like, okay, do you want to be like Sue Bird? Do you want to be like Diana Trust? Do you want to be like Sabrina Inescu? And I think, you know, again, kind of bringing that into play, like, they're there are high levels that those young girls could aspire to be at and just making sure they know like that is on their radar. And that doesn't mean they all have to want to play professional basketball, but you know, knowing that there is something to aspire to because you probably know too. I don't know like who you looked up to when you were in Northern Michigan, because it was probably similar for you. There's not a lot of pros who come out of Northern Michigan on the men's side either. You know, for me, like, I saw Liz Shemek in playing in high school and I knew, like I knew she played in the WNBA. Like I saw her and that made it more real to me. Um, and so just, yeah, I think incorporating that in, into when you are coaching, which you have been doing. I'm going to give you that. You have been doing that, I which know. is awesome. Yeah, you have been. You've been starting to talk about the women's game too, like you know, when you're referencing things. And I think that you've had an influence on me, Maria, and and my uh, my my sister-in-law Alana. She works for the Seattle Storm. I mean, there's no. You two are like right, yeah. two of the biggest influences on on me to even like start watching the WNBA because I kind of had given up on it, you know, when I was still younger. Um, and and I think that you just don't. Sometimes you you need to look a little bit deeper and try to figure out. You know, I think as I became a coach, I started to really appreciate 
the X's and O's and the movement and the the way they they you know they read a down screen and they all that stuff becomes completely different when you look at it from a different angle and um, so yeah I really appreciate that you guys stayed on me you didn't give up on me Maria you did not give up on me and no. now I have WNBA shirts I have gear I'm like I mean we haven't even started with the European women's game I was going to start sending you clips of that. So you just get ready. Yeah. We're just starting. Here's a fun <laughs> fact for everybody out there. When I was a senior in college at Kent State, I was uh, a mid-major All-American. You know, I'm going to toot my own horn here. Um, you know, it was, um, I think, I don't know, I got, got to try it with Team USA. I got to play with, you know, Jason Williams and Chris Duhon and Carlos Boozer and uh, Dan Dickow and Frank Williams, all these guys that got, you know, essentially drafted that, and I didn't, right? So that, first of all, that sucked. But, you know, the the one thing I, I always, I was always like, man, I love Sue Bird. Like she was, <laughs> she was the same, we were the same grade. And I thought she was so, I had a crush on her. I'm just going to say, I had a, I had a, I had a so crush awesome. on her. I, I emailed Sue, I found her on no, you, like you Connecticut's like email database. I emailed her, Maria, <laughs> and I asked her. Like, I was like, I want to give, I want to give you a rose. Like, I want, like, like the Bachelor. Like, How are you like, just now telling me this? I never told you this story. I thought I told you. You this didn't story. know. You told me you had a crush on her. You did not oh, tell me that. You no, looked no. up her email. Yeah, no. We, I looked her up. I stalked her. I got right into her email box. Oh. And listen, she emailed me back. No. Yeah, we said. were we were corresponding for a little bit. What? It, I think it got a little creepy because she was like, wait, is this guy real? Like, <laughs> um, I didn't really know what, you know, I was just like so surprised that she emailed me back. In fact, maybe it was a different, who knows if it wasn't even her, but I felt like it was because, you know, there's not too many Sue Birds on the Yukon, you know, email database. Because back no, then, that had to you, could, you could look up, you know, you could, like when we had email, like that was the beginning of the email. So there wasn't like... A, I'm, yeah, I'm loving this email reference. Yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have like our own Gmail, Yahoo, you know, like I, I don't even this know. This was before had AOL. Was this, was this, this before was AOL? AOL. This is Messenger? like, this is like AOL, like a little bit after AOL, like with, and then AOL when makes that noise when you connect. Yeah. Cause then it was dial up and then you're, yeah. yeah. You couldn't answer phone calls when no. you're on AOL. Well, so yeah, all the true. parents out there know what I'm talking about. It was like, hey, Sue Bird, will you go on a date with me? I'm in love with you. I think that if we ever, I'll be your rebounder forever. And I think like, <laughs> uh, she emailed me back and I, oh you know, I just God. wasn't on the same level as her basketball. -wise. You know, like she, was the, no, best player in the, she yeah. was the best player in the world. I was the best, you know, player in my mind in the match. Isn't it crazy that Sue's still getting buckets right now? Man, it's great. Like, she, wait, did she, your brother bring this up to her that gosh, about hope, the email? I hope. Oh not. my god, your sister in law should. I want to get her on the show. I would love to get her on Thrive. Sue oh Bird, god, you got to get her on Thrive. That's this, amazing. I think it's time that we have a real it's talk. Time. I want to know if it was actually her. She probably, obviously, is not going to remember. She's made, yeah, it's probably you know, happened to her many times, but. <laughs> <laughs> but not at that email address. There's only, you know, <laughs> maybe she did like a lot of people. But anyway, what a well, what, what that's a great, great story. Huh? Yeah. Do you think we should that end there? <laughs> I think maybe maybe we should. I I don't know how we're gonna top that. I don't think we can. I don't think we can top it. Um, 
we can always have you back on. We'll, we'll probably, you know, since I don't know that many people in the world, I'll just keep recycling most of my guests. So you'll, you got to save some of your stories as well. Um, Oh yeah. I got, you know, do you, you want to have overseas stories? Yeah. Do you want to have a shout out? How do people find you, um, at Indie, your, um, training, your, uh, oh, yeah. Instagram, if, yeah. how do, how do people, how do people check you out, Maria? I know. I'm not how can like people a email you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, AOL, <laughs> Maria B at AOL.com, everybody. That's how you ask her. Oh, this oh, is my so funny. You know what? I'm remembering my messenger name. It just came back to me, and I think it was like M Hoopster 24. Oh, you're number like 24? That. I was when I started out. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's your number, right? Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I switched, but uh, it, it did me well there. Okay. Well, um, all right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, uh, mkblaze4, and then I'm on Facebook, and I my my business here, MB Hoops. I'm still working on it. You know, Trevor's always on me to keep developing it, which is solid advice. So I'm gonna try and get maybe some some more things back, uh, whether it's virtually or videos, and keep people more in the loop when I take off um, for Portugal in September. And yeah, anyone can always reach out. I'd be happy to look at videos of kids working out, training, working on different things and give tips or mm. whatever it is. I will try and help in any way possible. That's awesome. So MKBlaze4 on Instagram. Are you on Twitter? I am not on Twitter. Yeah. Too, yeah, I try and live, you know, I try and... I just try and limit the amount of uh, it's over, it's overwhelming. to be on my device. It's overwhelming. It is, you know. Smartphones. Are they really helping us? That is the question. We'll get into the next episode of Thrive with Trevor Hoffman. A deep dive. Can you do it one more time? Thrive with Trevor Hoffman. <laughs> That's so good. You're a natural. You got to... Go into radio. I have to switch to broadcasting. Maybe that's my next calling. I think you do have a natural talent. You're, you're, un, you're just, you got to develop it every day. A little I got to work on that voice. That, it, 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 you know, it drops pretty low there. Yeah. What? Who's the uh, Rebecca Lobo? She's. I think you could take her. She's. You got. This. Yeah. You know who? Well, and Cand. Well, let's just. I mean, Candace Parker. She's pretty much killing it on TNT there. Do you ever watch? She's good. Yeah. Her? She's, yeah. She's, I, yeah, she's, she's yeah, I just sent you that Candace Parker podcast. Yep. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next. Talk about that next. <laughs> On Thrive. No, <laughs> On Thrive with whoever wants to come on the show. Thank you all for listening. Um, I'm so I'm so grateful for everybody that tunes in, whether you're a camper or a virtual club. Um, kid or parent, you know, I'm really grateful. I, I think everybody out there that you know listens to 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 me or to anybody that we have on the show, just you know, know that uh, it's I love doing it. I'm you know, I think it's great to talk about you know, be open to all these issues and in, in, um, in sports and what sports teaches us about being on a team and the life lessons of it. So. The internal battles of, of, of sports have taught me so much. So, so grateful for everybody that listens and, and please tag or share, share with MK Blaze 4, 
say hello to her on Instagram and and let her know you guys are rooting for her in Portugal as she she makes her uh, her big comeback to the court after this hashtag COVID pandemic nightmare that we're currently in where no one can do anything. So, um, well. Yeah, it's awesome you're doing this podcast, Trevor. Keep it up. I mean, I've learned a lot from the other people you've interviewed, so it's it's really cool kind of hearing those internal battles, struggles, and just personal stories that you otherwise don't hear of. So keep it up. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was that was very, I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. All right. Well, you're welcome. All right, guys. Have a good one, and we'll check you out on Thrive next time. Thrive.